Welcome aboard Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. <laughs> and a, little, a little slow there. It's, yeah, uh, a little slow on the uptake. Sorry. Um, and Once uh, again, you may notice from the uh, increased sound quality, this is a guest episode. <laughs> yeah. We're in the studio. That's what, what it took me a second. Yeah. I'm getting used to the equipment. I like that you say once again, even though it's several months later. Um, what? Even though it might be two months. Uh, uh, probably a month. A month. Okay. We're going to stagger these probably. Okay. But they know that by now. Let's not That's true. Okay. <laughs> so, sorry, uh, listeners. Okay. So we've got a guest. We sure do. Uh, our guest is uh, Zaljanan. Yes. Say hello, Zaljanan. How do you do? There we go. <laughs> so um, well, t- tell us about uh, what, well, tell us about what you do. Yeah. Um, you, well, not uh, career-wise. We'll get into that second. Okay. But let's talk about the uh, artistic side. Yeah. The, uh, the experimental oh, gosh. short films and, and whatnot. <laughs> I mean... Career-wise, I guess I'm doing the same thing that I just right. do when I play around. I don't know. I mean, I'm just making, I guess, short films, which people tell me are experimental, but I don't realize it until they come up to me and tell me that. So okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but um, now I've 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 watched uh, many of these, and uh, they're uh, often very funny, which is I think, um, and we're, we don't need to get into the discussion portion of the show yet. But I think um, one of the things that turns people off of experimental film. I just did air quotes on a fucking audio <laughs> podcast. That was good thinking. I think everybody um, heard the wind. Of it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, oh they God. can tell your, your voice kind of drops down. Just like, it's like experimental film. Yeah. You know, it, they Experiment. know. Um, <laughs> I think one of the things that, that turns people off is this idea that it's just so self-serious. Uh, you know, but uh, your stuff, and I think a lot of the best experimental film, you know, if you look at uh, sort of... Um, you know, Jane Campion has some early like experimental stuff that's that's really funny, and um, uh, you know, I actually, I, I mean, I, I know who she is as a director. I didn't know that, but I think like if you tend to look at a lot of famous directors, you'll see that their early work kind of doesn't. I mean, it could translate in a way to their later stuff, yeah. but I mean, even just looking at sort of like Oliver Stone's early short films, it's very sort of like artsy, kind of hipstery, hanging around New York type things and it's like it doesn't relate any way into like these beautiful like robert richardson shot (laughs) sort of epics that he did later and i don't know um yeah the uh david and i went to uh columbia college chicago where we studied film and uh in in that like uh with short with short films like i noticed that people a lot of our classmates tended to make you know experimental uh films um but uh and i think it was because they felt limited by you know the five minute you know uh limitation sure yeah you would feel limited by limitation that's Um, what what limitations indeed that's why they exist indeed um so (laughs) anyway um and so they're just like well i can't i can't tell like a like a, a straight up story in that time i can't have a lot of character development i i tried and uh, uh, middling success, um, but uh, so they did a lot of experiment. So David and I saw a lot of experimental, and what I mean, like the perfect example in my view of what David is talking about—the self series. I saw so many. I wish I was kidding. I saw so many uh, sh- short films where somebody is sitting in the fetal position, naked in a bathtub. Oh no! And you're just like, <laughs> oh, and you, no. and every. I mean, it got to the point like. You just were like, seriously? Like, have you not seen this before? Do you really think this? Like, it's you know, it's like, 
I, I've said this before in, in reference to like a, like somebody taking a vow of silence. Um, I think sitting naked in a bathtub in the fetal position happens in movies. I'd say about ninety nine percent more than in real life. Um, oh, and, and people in. Yeah. Feature films take vows of silence. Yeah, uh, it's solid. It's like a, yeah, yeah it's, it's a character shortcut. Oh, yeah. troubled. Exactly. Right. It's like, oh my gosh, something traumatic has happened. Or maybe it's just in their mind. <laughs> <laughs> or they all get run over by Ex- a bus. Exactly. <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, so it's it's well, always uh, nice to see one that has a sense of humor about itself. Right, but how do you, how do you feel about uh, uh, character development and story within, within short film and specifically within, again, air quotes, experimental short film? I don't know. I mean, I guess I could just talk like from my perspective and what sort of my aesthetic and what I'm going for is just that I think a lot of times I see like people that go to USC and UCLA and different grad programs, AFI, whatever, and they're all they're all taught like this is the way that you make a film. This mm-hmm. is the way that you tell a story in film. And to me, a lot of times, it just seems to be catering to what might get into Film Fest or what m- they might be able to show to Universal or DreamWorks or maybe DreamWorks just died, but I think they just got bought out or something. <laughs> it's but, a Paramount sort of. Anyway, uh, like the name still exists. I mean, a lot of times it just it looks like a movie, and their aunt and uncle are going to say, "Wow, you made a movie!" But I mean, yeah. it's like it's not it's not anything good, and it's not something to be proud of. And I think for me, I realized if I just made stuff that came sort of really naturally to me like stuff that i thought that i wanted to see or that i thought like others who are like me wanted to see i should just make that because if i do that this path will lead me down making more of that type of stuff i'm gonna get hired to make that type of stuff i'm not gonna get hired to make some am i allowed to say swears oh yeah yeah okay i'm not (laughs) like just some you know bullshit sundance film that has like some gosh i don't know some like stupid little story convention like contrived story convention of like oh there's this brutal rape scene and that's why we love this movie that really sucks otherwise and like whatever I don't know but I mean I think of course like some of my favorite films at the same time is certain just sort of like straight ahead blockbuster stuff I mean I love Dirty Harry Uh I love The Godfather and so I'm kind of like all over the map I mean I love stuff even like Brazil which has character development but it's a really fucking weird kind of takes a backseat to the the strangeness i would say so like i i just think like you work to the idea and sometimes the characters aren't that important sometimes the narrative's not that important and sometimes like that's all that's important it's just like dictated by whatever direction this sort of idea you come up with brings you in i think it's that's probably a good policy to have as like a writer or a filmmaker is just make something that you because like if you're making something that you don't like it's probably going to register in in the film itself and people will probably sense that and probably hopefully won't respond to it whereas like statistically there can't only be you with your taste like there has to be right. at least maybe a a thousand people with your <laughs> at least a thousand people with your taste and so it's like you know, so you just you may not be you know you may not have the huge blockbusters, but hopefully you know you'll you'll be able to do well enough with that market you know to to get by, and you'll be a lot happier. I mean, I think it's like it's even obvious in people who started out doing features that are kind of way out there and like really don't even take into account a lot of character development. I mean, people like 
David Gordon Green and Harmony Corinne and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, like, I mean, their characters are really important, but they're also making, like, incredibly experimental films from, like, a narrative perspective. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I wouldn't say they're, like, Steven Spielberg household names, but they are as far as just, like, in the filmmaking community. They're, like, completely, like, household names, I'd say. Yeah. Um, So. Do you think, uh, this might be kind of a stretch, but um, people are, uh, because of things like YouTube, uh, people, the sort of the, the mainstream, as it were, uh, is sort of more used to seeing uh, short format uh, videos now. And do you think that, along with that, do you think non-narrative or experimental formats are becoming more uh, acceptable? Oh, completely. I mean, I guess I, I can only talk from sort of my... I mean, I guess, like, I have a feeling about it, and then I have, like, my sort of professional experience with that, which is, like... I don't know. I mean, I've, I've been a professional filmmaker for only a short time. Yeah. But, I mean, in seeing that, like, a lot of the stuff that I've been able to do and the stuff that I was asked to do tends to be sort of... I mean, it could be predicated on my, what my reel shows them as well, but, I mean, I get to do some pretty weird experimental stuff that, I mean, almost like Dadaist kind yeah. of pieces that really have no character whatsoever, like mouth noises with crazy animations and stuff. <laughs> and, like, I mean... I mean, places are paying for stuff like that now, yeah. which is like, you well, know. Let's tell uh, tell the microphone there what <laughs> what it is that you you do uh, as far as um, you know what what pays your bills. Uh, I mean, as of late, I just got off. I was doing two shows on Fuel TV. It's like a Fox right. cable channel, which is kind of extreme sports and trying to get into content and programming, yeah. which I think in line with the YouTube question, like, everywhere is trying to hop on this sort of, like, YouTube-esque, like, quick, fast, like, get the kids watching. Because, I mean, you can, you get instant gratification on YouTube, which says, like, there is three million viewers of this video. So they know who who is watching and how many. But, um, so, yeah, I was just doing animations uh, on every episode of this one show called American Misfits, which is half kind of crazy skate, half sketch. And then I was basically making short films on a liquid television-esque, Adult Swim-esque type show called Stupid Face. And for right. that, like, I was... i Stupid Face. Yeah. I mean, I was, like, writing, directing, producing, editing, animating. I mean, I did the catering on my shoots just because, <laughs> I mean, those are the kind of budgets that, that you get. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, you got to start somewhere. Okay, well, uh, should we get into our, our topic, Tyler? Yeah, sure. Right, let's get into it, shall we? All right. Um... We're going to sort of uh, go step by step and uh, try not to you know, make it boring. Uh, how something, an artistic uh, sort of uh, product, like, like one of Zaljanan's short films, how it uh, goes from development to, to air, essentially, uh, dealing with the non-artistic side of things. <laughs> so why don't you That's of- a good way of putting it. Let's, yeah, that's polite. The, with the suits, you mean? Yeah, the fucking suits. Freaking there's the establishment. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'm gonna I'm gonna get a lot of shit for this from somebody. But let's oh, just, hey, let's hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me let me put your mind at ease. Uh, nobody listens to this. Uh, these mics aren't plugged in. Uh, it really is just we wanted to talk to you for a while, and uh, this was the only way we could do it. So so it works out. Uh, go ahead. Do you want me to just start in here? Or yeah, well, let's start I mean, with I think, um, like well, let's just yeah, let's just do this sort of chronologically. Let's take like sort of one 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 project, you know, that you're making for uh, a fuel TV or something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And 
uh, how does it like? Do they when they they sort of commission you? Let's start with what kind of uh, guidelines do they give you? Um, okay, I guess I mean it's going to be different from job to job and depending on what kind of job you get. But to take for example, like my experience with Fuel TV, and I would say a big part of the experience is and a major, major, major part is the lead up to getting the job, which I would say, I don't know what percent of the time, but 75% of the time, probably the job can just float away while you're Uh waiting like months for contracts to come through or whatever. So, um, but in the instance of that, it was kind of a lucky situation, uh, through a friend, I heard about the show. They needed content creators, sent them my reel, you know, you just wait, then they call you and they say, you know, we like some of your stuff, pitch us some ideas. And at that point you're like, you're in the dark. You kind of, you're like, well, it's for TV. Uh, I guess I got to come up with some pretty cool ideas. Like you got to wow them and make you think like, you know, we should pay this guy money to actually make this stuff for TV. And so you're, you're kind of like, I mean, it's probably different at different levels, but for me, I mean, I was just coming up with ideas on spec and, Luckily, I have kind of a, an idea folder sort of word file that I go to and just started picking stuff out that I thought might work for the show. I mean, they explain it to, to you like it's just crazy comedy. And kind of in their minds, they don't – the show evolves as it goes on too while it's being produced and while uh-huh. it's on the air. And, you know, they just kind of tell you what they think it's going to be and you kind of pitch to that. And um, Now, have you worked um, with anyone – maybe that has uh, more to lose than Fuel TV? And, and, and have, you, have you had sort of stricter guidelines put on you because of that situation? Or? Um, gosh, more to lose in what way? <laughs> well, I mean, because Fuel TV isn't, uh, it doesn't have a, an established sort of uh, name and presence. Right. You know, it's, not a, it's not really a brand yet. Yeah, and yeah. So they can afford to be a little looser with that sort of thing. Sure, but I guess I don't know. As as we get into the discussion, you'll probably see that they weren't that loose with it. Okay. So, but uh, I think well, that's the juicy stuff. That's, I think that's what we want to hear. I think exactly. I think I that's think, what's going to get you fired and us listeners. Right. <laughs> so, I think everyone feels, and this is like this is kind of what I think makes the topic kind of interesting. Is I think that all or almost all executives feel that there is something to lose, no matter what the budget of the project, no matter what the size. Like, I know a lot of people that have worked on bigger projects. I know a lot of – I've worked on, like, other projects with people, and I mm-hmm. see, like, when suits are in the room, a lot of times they're either sweating externally or internally, and mm-hmm. they realize, like, they got to – they like, the whole thing, the whole, the whole purpose for them being there, they realize, is to put their stamp on this thing. Otherwise – you know, if the thing takes off, it can take off without them because they weren't giving their notes. They're, they don't have a way to, like, pull up some record that says I was doing stuff on this show and this is yeah. how I made the show what it is. And it doesn't matter whether they made it good or bad. Like, Yeah. Well, I think the, the reason that the, the, the sort of, this sort of clash, uh, which is sort of, you know, age old in, in Hollywood mm-hmm. uh, between the artist and the, and the studio or whatever, the reason it's so inherently dramatic is because you're dealing with a group of people uh, who are uh, sort of used to and taught to do things by committee, and they're working alongside an artist, which is uh, almost by definition an individual vision. Yeah. Sure, yeah. But I mean, I think it's <laughs> like like the thing for an executive is a lot of times 
I would say they don't have creative backgrounds and they're not mm-hmm. creative thinkers. And I mean, a lot of them are probably really brilliant business managers. Sure, yeah. And so they're making awesome decisions probably from a money perspective. But I mean, the end product, which basically everyone wants to see a cool movie out of, and yeah. and that a lot of times is not the point of what they're putting out, you know. So you can, I mean, there's tons of age-old examples with Orson Welles and Terry mm-hmm. Gilliam and stuff where I'm sure they were sitting on some really amazing stuff and everything gets notes, I, I would say. Almost invariably, everyone thinks they have something to lose and everything gets notes. Even yeah. if it's brilliant from the get-go and they can see that, they have to put their stamp on it. Yeah. I'd say the, the, the feather in the cap of, of that sort of uh, bureaucratic thinker would probably be the, the what happened with United United Artists and sort of it, it growing, starting with being run by, you know, mm-hmm. Griffith and, and Chaplin and, yeah. and, and, you know, Pickford and whatever, and uh, it sort of falling apart yeah. <laughs> eventually in the long run because of that. Uh, it's the kind of thing, I mean, it, it, sounds so, it sounds so good on paper that it's just like, okay, well, you make the art. And then we'll have somebody to handle the business side, and everyone makes money, and we're, we're in good shape. See? It's fine. Everything's great. But then it's like, oh, wait a second. Now money's on the table, and now the person who – because you know, the artist doesn't necessarily know how to make money. And since, this, since an important thing is that everybody needs to get paid, the power shifts more to the people who know about the business part of it, and it's just – and it – becomes and the artist just becomes a commodity like anything else like you know just you know like my bottle of pepsi here or whatever which is delicious um <laughs> paid for by pepsi exactly um yeah, i wish but um yeah and it's 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 one of those things it's in like like you said i mean it's it's an age-old thing i mean as far back as you go like it's like oh wow film look at this great new art form how can we just ruin it with <laughs> by getting involved and in making it into something that can sell? Um, um, okay, so let, let's. It's uh, a little black and white, and I apologize yeah, for that, but, but uh, yeah, it's a little reductive. Tyler. Sorry, this is, this is battleship potential. Anybody, yeah, anybody who anybody who like myself is a huge fan of Orson Welles tends to be a little reductive of the studio system. <laughs> um, so okay, so you've. Uh, what's happened? They've, they've come to you. You've pitched them some ideas. Uh, how does how does the pitch sort of go? Um, I mean, like in this age and okay, I just want to say like beforehand that the, like the creators and producers of the show were, I mean, like the people who actually pitched the idea of the show and were in charge of putting together and stuff were like some of the most amazing people to work for. Like I could not ask for like a better boss in the world or bosses, but I mean, they were just so cool about it and so laid back and any other places that I've ever, you know, had to work for or pitch, like I've dealt with some pretty great cool bosses but like a lot of times it's a lot more bureaucratic there's a lot more like whatever you know worrying about contracts and this and that Mm -hmm. and that and these guys were like very straight to the point but with this one i just emailed them some ideas um i was actually like going through some personal stuff at the time so i was kind of flaking on it thinking like it wasn't that big a deal and they were chasing me down so it was kind of this thing like I should have been banging down their doors and they were calling me like, this is your last day to decide. Do you want to do anything? And, and I was like, Oh, I got to get on this. And so, uh, I, they liked a few of them. I was like, sure. I'll sign on for like a couple things. I I don't know how it's going to go. I'll just try doing a couple things. And they wound up thinking that I nailed them. So by the end I wound up making 
42 short films in five months for them. Oh, wow. So. <laughs> okay, well, let's, then let's, uh, let's get into, what would you say is the next step? Is, is that, you want to talk about production now? Sure. Or? I mean, it, it was such a loose thing, and people kind of think that I'm a freak for working out of, like, my bedroom, basically. Like, uh-huh. I do all my work while, like, sitting in bed. It's, like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, they liked a couple of the ideas. Um, they were, like, this is how much we can offer you. And at that point, it's kind of like it gets into negotiations, but I could tell like they were hurried and I did a little bit of negotiating with them. I wanted to, yeah. you know, the budgets were bad, of course. It's yeah. it's very like entry-level sort of producer stuff. But, uh, but um, yeah, and it was just like come over, sign a contract, start making stuff. And, I mean, I went in there. I was like, I'm Zaldronon. They're like, do you want to put down your – address and name and stuff i put down like my p.o box and zaldronon and they're like is this guy gonna run away with our money and, like, <laughs> like what's gonna happen and like i i kind of got that feeling because i got an email like right afterwards like like here's the updated release form uh, uh this is what you get people to sign and i kind of thought that was them saying like oh i hope he emails back and doesn't steal our money like, <laughs> you know like but i mean they were like so trusting and cool and yeah i mean they were just like you know, we have episode one through four. This is our deadline. Episode five through eight. This is our deadline, and uh, just get this stuff done. And I just started cranking on it, and it started out slow. I mean, I just started doing stuff as I would with short films, and they loved it. And I, I would just come in, pitch more ideas, and it just like it amps. It just totally ramps up. Like if you're if you're doing TV stuff, it's on a schedule and it's crazy. Like, yeah. I mean, they stagger it so that you're making stuff before the season starts, but the season's going to start halfway through right. making the stuff. And so you got to make sure that you're keeping up to the deadlines. Yeah. And there were times when they were like, can you deliver us three short films in two weeks? And that'd be like without me having pitched them any ideas. And I'm so bad at saying no that I'm like, y- yeah, yeah, I can do it. <laughs> and like I, w- I somehow like... I don't know, it was, like, through magic, like, would rip out, like, just short films and be like, here, I got them, like, on the very last day, you know. Awesome. But it's kind of like... Well, you oh. keep saying, uh, you know, you keep implying you're going to talk shit about some of the producers here. And oh, good man. Things. Well, now, but, no, no, the, okay, the creators of the show were right. great. Okay, you want me to get into some shit? Yeah, let's... Well, hang on, okay, hang on a minute, hang on, before we, before we do that. Before um, we get into some shit? Exactly. Um, I did have a, have a question, um, and this, this isn't totally off topic, but... Uh, it sounds like I mean they keep you pretty busy. Um, oh, like yeah. wh- like where do you find the time to make your own stuff? I mean, is that basically there was just- no no time? I mean, this year I think I I counted up and I guess I've made forty four films and one was before the show started. The other one, I mean, I was editing, animating, doing everything on all my stuff mm-hmm. just because I don't know. In order to sort of make a living off it, I couldn't really afford to pay other people. Yeah, and. Um, I, I shot one other thing for somebody else, and I didn't even. I told him I don't have time to edit it. I don't have time to do anything, and so like, that's like it. I made two other films this year, and like before this, I was probably making around somewhere. I'd say like probably close to like fifteen a year hmm. or something. Yeah. So now, does that? I mean, does that kind of, for lack of a better word, does that kind of depress you? Like that you can't do your stuff, but you're no, still kind of doing your stuff for them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it gets into, okay, this is where it gets into more juicier stuff. I okay, there we bit. go. Nice. I don't know. I don't know how juicy this is going to be for you, but I guess <laughs> like, uh, 
Uh, oh man, I hope he doesn't hear this. Anyway, the the, so the, the name names or anything. Just so call there, him Bill. There, there's like um, basically there's one guy at the top of the show who's mm-hmm. ahead of the creators. He's like, so, you know, it's the executive producer, and he's supposed to, in a lot of cases, executive producer is a liaison between the production and the network, and usually they're on the show's side. But in this case, the executive producer was from the network, uh-huh. so basically. They're putting together shows, which is like an amazing amount of work because picture however many, 10, 15 people making short films for each episode, just turning in, cranking out stuff, and they're putting it all together. The producers are also making their own content, so they're like shell-shocked already, you know, and it's so much work, and they would put a show in front of him, and it's executive's job to give notes, and, you know, it's predicated on a lot of things, like the paper trail and yeah. sometimes a lot of these guys are scared for their jobs and whatever. So you think yeah. a lot of times they're giving notes that maybe they don't feel that strongly about just to show that, hey, I gave notes? I, I, don't, know, I don't know if they may come out and admit it, but I think you know they're going to want to come in and chime in on a lot of different stuff. If they really, really like something, they may even just give a note that says, this is great. But, okay. I mean, usually it's like they... I mean, in the case of this show, at least, the guy would watch, as from what I understand, he would watch every episode through just once, write down everything he thought of as he was watching it, which could be, I mean, he's not a creative type, as far right. as I can tell, and, um, you know, it could be, like, a bad day, like, maybe maybe his wife yelled at him that day, uh-huh. or yeah. who knows, and maybe he ate, he ate some bad crawfish or whatever, and... <laughs> And like you know, just write down. I do down. like the crawfish, but yeah, go on. Executives love crawfish. <laughs> what do they eat that down at down at Sioux Plantation? Is that the restaurant they I think can it's go to? Popeyes <laughs> crawfish basket. Popeyes is definitely uh, Popeyes. It's a Hills. magnet for executives. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I never saw the notes sheet. I know people that saw the notes sheet, and I talked to the producers and. They said there would be over a hundred notes for every episode. Oh, jeez! Wow. Um, and so, like, I know I wouldn't find out till after the fact because I don't have a direct pipeline to this guy, so I wouldn't be able to. I can't defend my stuff ever. So basically, if something is going to get cut or chopped down, that's it. It's like end of story because there's a hundred notes to deal with, and yeah. every episode needs to get finished. Like, so what is the, what is the nature of the notes? I mean, do they? Is it just like this could be offensive or something like that? Or generally is it just- not. Um, the nature is, in most cases, from what I hear, um, there would be like, cut this part out, or too long, cut out 30 seconds. But yeah. I actually was very fortunate on the show to only have two segments cut. Oh, okay. And I know people that had, I think, maybe 16, basically like 16 short films cut from the show, just because he watched it once and said, I don't like it. Huh. And there was nobody to bounce. There was nobody else to bounce it off. There was, it was just like, watched it. Not funny. Write it down on a piece of paper. So because of the nature of it's, it's just a, a group of short, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, films yeah. and whatnot. Um, you had to cut completely. Do they ever ask you to like recut? Uh, See, anything? it got to a point where um, because some of my stuff kind of I mean I like making stuff that's kind of goofy but I also like making stuff that's kind of like very sort of like dark like dark humor uh-huh. um, TV does not like that at all right yeah <laughs> so um, I mean I think there it seems like there's getting to be more of that with CSI but it's still sort of like a TV-esque version of dark and yeah. um, I made a few things that kind of 
really sort of like I mean I made this brainwashing film that kind of by the end it's just like like what with like your, your jaw open and uh, they were like I mean the producers who I don't fault them for it they were like can you recut it can you turn it into a happy cut and I'm like uh-huh. a happy cut and they're like yeah like they made they made me shoot um, it's actually the segment is from the perspective of my dog and uh-huh. it's like it's like a brainwashing film from dogs for humans and so it's like <laughs> feed me walk me and then it starts just like <laughs> flashing all this stuff of like oil reserves and stuff and like handover <laughs> infrastructure and uh it gets it, it yeah it turns into this whole like fascist thing but uh yeah i mean it, it got to be too much like the voiceover was really like dark and and I don't know. It had like all these like footage of like fire and like like Nazis invading Europe and stuff like that. Um, and so yeah, a little dark. Okay, I can see that. They don't like that kind of stuff. So uh, so yeah, I mean, I basically they wanted me to shoot like a bookend on the beginning and the end, which is a uh, you know a silly little thing with a guy in a dog suit getting the tape and popping it in for his uh-huh. owner, and then like. You know, I I, I want to re- having to redo the voiceover with like a like a soothing you know pretty girl voice and <laughs> and so it's like they were kind of doing that as a buffer for like well if he rejects it then it puts this film in limbo because like we're under contract to buy it we don't have anything to do with it you probably don't want to buy it back and the network doesn't want to buy it and so I mean that's what happened with a lot of people they had like complete series of stuff that they had shot like you know, like eight films or whatever, just completely rejected because the guy's like, I don't like it. And so now they have to buy those films back, basically. So they reown them again. Did you buy the back the two films that were cut? Uh, I, Man, I forced them to buy them off me. <laughs> I'm a jerk. <laughs> no, I, I, I think they said they've got avenues for unloading some of the stuff later, hopefully. So I figure I'll stick them with two instead of yeah. 16. If it was 16, I'd take some stuff back, I right. think. But uh, it seems strange because I mean, uh, I mean that's a ca- you know that's a cable channel, and I mean, you know, I mean if you watch like a lot of Adult Swim yeah, stuff, and if you watch MTV, you watch Comedy Central, it's totally dark or FX for Pete's sake. I mean, there's all kinds of really dark stuff on there. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like you mentioned, like flashes of Nazis and stuff, and I think of Eric Cartman when he closes his eyes. He sees flashes of Hitler and Nazis right, and, and right. the atom bomb going off. And it's just like – and it just – it's – and there is there nobody that can – that like says, oh, excuse me, uh, executive producer. Um, do not watch anything else and realize that people – that this – you know, South Park still one of the most well, popular shows ever. South Park has filled the pockets of Comedy Central executives enough that maybe they can I guess get that's away true. with that. Uh, more so because I guess this is a fairly new network I mean do you think that comes into play when like maybe they want to try and play it safe so that everybody yeah well I mean in the instance of that one uh, specifically like they didn't want to I mean they said they would they would completely edit it into an episode and submit the episode but they said what's going to happen is that it's going to get rejected and we know that immediately because we've already passed you know, eight episodes by this guy, and we know what his notes are like. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a very slight chance that he would say yes, but there was the greater chance that he was going to say no. So it was kind of a preemptive action to do that. Okay. But um, I, I, I sort of, I saw where they were coming from, and it, it's kind of painful that you have to have like your director's cut, which is not your like official cut. But, yeah. but I, I mean, that's where the whole thing comes in for me. Of it's like art versus commerce, and and sometimes 
unfortunately. Like, I understand on feature films, you don't want... That's going to be the official one that everyone's watching. Right. But uh, you just kind of... I guess I kind of thought, like, not too many people are watching Fuel TV and not too many people are paying attention. So hopefully, like, whatever gets on TV may have as much traffic as, like, my website even at this point. So it's, like, maybe... You know, the same amount of people would see both or whatever. But Not to mention, it's, I mean, at least they came to you to recut it. I mean, yeah, than oh. just they did it. And yeah, just, yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's a step in the right direction. Right, right, right. I'm sorry, I got off track. What, what, you asked me a question before that. I don't remember what it was. Um, <laughs> it was fun, though. I think, yeah, it had to do with. Um, I think it got us back yeah. on track. But essentially, actually. why Adult Swim can get away with darkness. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. That they seem to be. And maybe what I said earlier on was that Fuel TV might have uh, less to lose because they're new, but you could also argue that they have more to lose because they're new. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would think like – I mean like I said, it's a very low-budget show. It doesn't have like a lot of – I mean I think they get decent traffic like in bars, but mm-hmm. that's obviously like the extreme sports stuff because you can't really right. watch a sketch thing when yeah. there's like loud music playing right. and whatever. And um, – you know, maybe people during the day, but I mean, this is actually a night show, and it was supposed to be—it's like TVMA, so it's supposed to be a mature show. But right. they were cutting out stuff that would be like that they were nervous that it was like too mature. Hmm. So uh, the original idea was, I think, supposed to be Liquid Television Adult Swim esque, but it it wound up at least. I mean, I, I only see the episodes basically as they hit the air. I know my stuff, and I've seen some friends' stuff that's on it, but. You know, I won't see full episodes until they hit the air, and so it kind of looks like it's been steered in a direction which is more of just like a goofy sketch show, which is not the original intention. And it's kind of how it started out a little bit, and it's like coming back towards something more normal. And I'm thinking that's because the executive was getting scared. Yeah, seems to me. Are you going to be continuing to work with them in in the future or i would love to work with like the producers i know they're they actually got approached to do more stuff on fuel i mean fuel loves them because they always deliver and but i think they're kind of like well you hacked our show to pieces and (laughs) and uh and you don't pay much money so i think they're they're trying to look elsewhere i know they like just got repped by i think was it caa or one of like william morris or something and so I mean, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> but it sounds like they like your stuff, so that like you know, if they do find you know uh, you know a home somewhere else with a, a network that might be a little more conducive to them, like it sounds like you might be sitting pretty. No, yeah. I mean, I I they've said they would bring me along. I mean, of course, as I said, that's not it. Just like isn't ever the case in film or TV where you can predict what's going to happen. I mean, yeah. there's been other shows where I've had people say like dude, you're totally on it. You're totally, we're going to get you to direct stuff. And I mean, this is like, there's a show in particular, which is, uh, it's actually, I think they're like shooting right now or something. And, and I knew like way before the actors that it was going to happen and all this stuff. And just like different political reasons, you know, just wind up not getting the show. So, yeah, I found that, that I think that, uh, you know, I, I hate to use this sort of, uh, this town type of, uh, yeah. <laughs> thing about ho- uh, Hollywood or whatever, but, even like as a PA, I found people say like, "Oh, I can find you a job, or I can get you on my, on my next show, or whatever." Right. And like, if you don't have something in writing in quote this town, yeah, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, even just like as far as getting contracts done, I've been waiting on. There's this uh, other network, Current TV, which is like Al Gore's channel, <laughs> and uh, they, I, I've been talking to them longer than Fuel, and I've pitched them ideas like 
six months or more ago, and we finally came to an agreement like a month ago, and I'm still waiting on contracts. They write me like every other day. They're like, it's coming, it's coming. It's so like, what, what is uh, what is current TV? What sort of programming is going to be on? on um, it's I mean, it's already on the air. It's oh, okay. like it's all it's it's all current stuff. I don't know. It's all supposed to be like nonfiction, sort of like current issues okay. type of thing. So is that the type of thing you're going to be making for them? Kind of. It kind of – the network kind of like stretches off in different directions. I mean I've seen some stuff on there and some of it's actually – I've seen some actually really good things. I saw this one piece that was on uh, like – Craigslist sort of personals like I'm, I'm obsessed with like reading Craigslist personals for some reason they're just so interesting but like but it was on the sort of you know you see a lot of like M for M type stuff and with male for male right. like meetups and so like and there's always like subtle references to drugs and stuff like that and there was uh-huh. like this really short um i mean they're all short all the programming on there it's called pods and they're like eight minutes or less usually it was just like eight minute documentary basically on the people that do those meetups and they're i thought they were bullshit but they're like completely for real there's guys that just like meet up get fucked up on meth and just Uh like you know fuck the shit out of each other that don't (laughs) that don't know each other and like i mean it went all the way up to like some CEO of like a major corporation who quit his job because he was like so addicted to it and they wow. found this guy on Craigslist and so there's some pretty like intense stuff. What was the tone of that documentary? <laughs> it was kind of jocular and <laughs> had a fun time with it. <laughs> okay, so um uh Stupid Faces is, is airing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Now or are you are you uh let me just think how to put this. Are, uh, obviously, you're happy with the product that you, you've made. Uh, do you think that uh, Stupid Face is a good uh, context for it? Sure, in some ways. It's weird to – I mean – and I've talked to other people about this too Like, because, I mean, your segments are basically edited into a thing by someone else right. and in connection with other things that you could not have ever planned for them to be there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's some stuff – like, I made I make these really – Dumb, dumb stick figure cartoons. I don't know. You might have seen one or two of them. Yeah, I think I've seen them on the. They're really stupid, but for some reason people (laughs) like them, and so they they wanted me to make. I made twenty six of them for the show. They wanted me to make them, and uh, they get kind of lost in the mix because they're really short. And I think kind of a little bit. I mean, at least to me, a little bit. What like makes them funny is like you kind of watch them, and it puts this like dumb stick figure thing on like a pedestal in front of you. But Uh thrown into the show, they kind of feel like interstitials. But as with the other stuff, like the longer stuff, I think it is like – I mean there's a lot of great stuff on the show I think and I mean however it gets sort of like treated by executives, like at the end of the day I'm still like proud of it and glad that I got on it, you know. I guess that's kind of like the whole balance of art and money is like right. the people in the room are like – I don't want to show my product that way. I don't want to, you know, like people in suits and then just, I don't know. You got to kind of like make it your pure vision and then like they pour in some water and then at the end, just hopefully you're still happy with how it looks or something. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, um, let's see. When, when does, uh, when does stupid face air? Is there, do you have anything else you you wanted to, wanted to, to enlighten? There you go. uh, Enlighten. uh, Yeah. 
Jeez. Like, <laughs> I think what David's saying is, do you have any more complaints about executives? Oh. Because uh, that's, that's what our audience wants. Okay. Let me think for a moment. <laughs> By the way, I like these fuzzies. There's colored fuzzies on the mic. That are, <laughs> yeah, we, we're using somebody else's equipment, but that's, yeah. that's fine. Except <laughs> um, with the microphones. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's a little vague, I guess. Just, <laughs> I like the colored fuzzies on the thing. Um, <laughs> it's kind of enlightening. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I just, uh, I guess my, I feel like my stories tend to be in line with like, uh, I, I have other friends that I, I probably shouldn't name names for them because they sure. might yeah, that's fine. harass <laughs> me afterwards. But uh, I mean, I just hear other things like, it, you know, when shows get popular, that's when executives start hanging around the set. And that's when, you know, a lot of weird sort of notes come through. I had a friend that was on a show on a much bigger cable network and he said that all of a sudden, because the show started to get a little bit popular, um, and executives started coming down and hanging around the writers' meetings. And, oh, wow. And so, uh, you know, they'd be throwing out ideas. When you're doing a writing pitching session, there's always going to be cr- crappy ideas. Oh, yeah. There. And so, I mean, throwing back and forth ideas, and, you know, he said she would, because he was, like, being the quiet one, she would look over at him and be like, is this, like, is this? what are they doing they don't know what they're doing but like <laughs> but like doesn't get that that's sort of the part of the process yeah and then yeah. like would start throwing out like things that had done well on previous episodes or whatever like would start saying like what if we put this in there and it's just right. like some random thing that has nothing like you know we'll put more giraffes in it more giraffes everybody loves giraffes and it's just like has yeah. nothing to do with whatever the hell they're in remember. his defense he does have a point i love giraffes right. <laughs> um i remember um an interview with uh with Brad Bird, uh, you know, who made The Incredibles yeah. and Ratatouille and stuff. And he was talking about if there were five films that came out in a year that were successful, and in every one of those films the hero wore a red shirt, mm-hmm. you would have a bunch of executives saying, we need more films with people in red shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. It's, it's totally true, yeah. I mean, I guess the one other word of wisdom, which I'm kind of learning in, is that there's, as with everything, there's like a psychology... I mean, this guy, I didn't have a direct line to him, but I think the producers of the show started to catch on to this, and I think other people sort of, I've heard this from other people, but if you think that you're going to have a hard time from executives, the thing to do is to basically sabotage yourself up front, so that way, once they (laughs) reject something, then you get to slip in stuff that you know is raunchier than they would ever approve, because on a second pass, they're less critical, because it becomes like, you know a time sensitive issue to get to get things turned in and so like basically like I, I know there's like several shows I'm sure that you've heard of that do stuff like this where yeah. uh, you know you put in some like super like racist or Nazi or crazy jokes in there that uh-huh. it's like you know they're gonna flip out when they see it and they're like there's no way you could ever do this and then you know change it now and then yeah. you you go and put in like some really sort of like raunchy sex reference or something and then yeah. it's like it slips by well i think to talk <laughs> about the south park guys again i mean that yeah. uh that sort of unrated dvd of team america which has the long uh puppet sex scene yeah they've said they pretty much made that whole scene to draw the attention of uh, of the mpaa to that right yeah. away from all the other stuff they wanted to get away with they yeah. had never had any intention of having that full scene. In yeah. Theaters. Yeah. I think it's just like a smart way that creatives have come up with sort of like, yeah. like faking out the, the executives. And I think it, 
it kind of works. I don't know. Maybe maybe the executives are expecting it, but it seems like not. They're just kind of yeah. like they're not really paying attention. They're like, there's no way you can do it, and then it and then you get in stuff that you know they would never yeah. allow in there. And I, I suppose like in the case of South Park, probably that helped them build up to a point where they actually were allowed to slip a lot of stuff in there probably yeah. on a first pass because it didn't start out nearly as raunchy as it wound up yeah. becoming so and also probably not as a uh, uh, polarizing i mean like yeah. uh, they've they've those those guys have really sort of found a voice uh politically that uh wasn't yeah. really there in the early episodes and but i think that just again i think that all they're well, allowed to get away with a lot of stuff because of how much money they've yeah. made for for comedy central I actually haven't even seen it in a long time. I, I I don't even watch TV, so it's pretty stupid that I'm making stuff for TV. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's how the world works, I guess. Yeah. Well, uh, we've been going for a, a good amount of time, yeah. so uh, we should um, probably wrap up. Uh, yeah. Where where can people find Stupid Face on Fuel TV? Uh, yeah, it's on Fuel TV, which nobody seems to get anyway. But it's on like <laughs> digital cable and satellite. Um, and Stupid Face is new episode every Friday night at 10.30 Pacific Standard Time at night. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it also runs maybe once or twice a night, every night, too. Okay. But, yeah. Cool. And where can people get a hold of you personally? I try and spell my name and find my website, I guess. Okay. Is it, is it Zaljanon.com? Uh, yeah. I mean, right. pizza at Zaljanon.com. That's the email address? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's ZZ... A L G E R N zero N G E R. Did you say that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll also put it up in the in like the show notes and yeah. stuff, so people can yeah, tell can find you, it. find your website and stuff. So, yeah. well, thanks for being on Battleship Retention. Yeah. Thanks, thanks a lot for asking me here. All right, and All right. that's that's it for us. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>